world. This is John Pinto, your roving realtor, bon vivant, video blogger, podcaster, uh, usually disembodied voice on my video blogs and podcasting. I guess, Abel, it's okay that we're disembodied voices in a podcast, right? Absolutely. Yeah. I mean, we're, we're just here to entertain. <laughs> Very good. So uh, today we have a few subjects in mind. Uh, we'll hit them one at a time. Uh, and the first subject, and uh, by the way, Abel Fragoso is uh, with Homebridge Mortgage in uh, Te- Temecula, right? That is correct. Let's get into the subject du jour. Um, and uh, I'm going to entitle this uh, Refi and then Trade Up or Trade Down. Uh, let me uh, kind of give you a sense of my pain as a realtor, um, you know, first of all, when I'm a buyer's agent and I see a listing that says transaction subject to the seller finding a house, how, how excited do you think I am and every other realtor and every buyer to get into escrow with that listing agent and that seller? What do you think? I don't think it's very popular because a contingency like that is really a roadblock. In, in, men, in many people's minds. Yeah, you're going nowhere. Now, uh, you know, in the meantime, I just sold the property in Gilroy and, you know, we got the, the buyer, we had nine offers. The buyer removed, the prevailing buyer removed all of their contingencies, agreed to close in 30 days, uh, gave us a very significant overbid uh, and a free 75 day rent back. That sounds pretty attractive, right? Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. But but still now we're in the game scrambling, uh, you know, trying to find a house. Now, I will say and we will multitask on this uh, video uh, where, you know, I, my buyers were interested in a piece of property where they had 50 disclosure packages out. Can you imagine 50, five, zero? Unbelievable. You know, I'm not going to do that. I'm, I'm just not going to do that. So. What I've been doing is I've been focusing on uh, off-market properties yes. that have some impediments to showing. They call them coming soon or uh, MLS members only. Uh, I've been attempting to look at properties that have been lingering on the, uh, lingering on the market, but those they're lingering on the market for a reason. Correct. There, there's an issue. There's a problem. Uh, so... You know, all of this stress, all of this friction, it's not the way I like to conduct real estate. So what I wanted to talk to you about is if somebody, a homeowner, is looking to trade up or trade down, how feasible is it to do an 80% cash out refi, pull out the bulk of their cash, uh, then use that to go find another home, use that for their down payment qualify for a purchase money 80% loan, complete that transaction, move into the new house, and then be able to sell the old house vacant where you're not dealing with the inconvenience of showings, uh, you're not dealing with COVID-19, you're not dealing with contingency sales, you have no fire drill. Please enlighten us. How can we use that tool, Abel? So where you're going to run into trouble is with the double mortgage payments because in order to qualify for the purchase we do need to account for the mortgage on the refinance so if the buyer 
has enough income to cover both mortgages, that should not be an issue. But in, in cases like this, we really don't have, uh, you know, a buyer that makes the amount of money that is required to cover two mortgages. So one of the ways we, we, we look at the situation is what we call a departing property, whereas we would at least get some indication of whether the buyer can temporarily move a renter into that property so that we can at least use 75% of the rents in order to offset that mortgage payment and allow them to qualify for the purchase. Um, because a lot of times, like I said, they're not going to have the income stream to cover both mortgages. So you do have to be a bit creative in how you structure uh, the actual uh, refi of the property so that they can use it as a bridge loan to purchase the, uh, the new one. Okay, so uh, let's dial this back a little bit. I think I have a solution for you. Um, so uh, your uh, owner, your trade-up uh, client uh, says, Abel, I want to do a refi. Uh, they're kind of collaborating with you with the listing agent, uh, the listing, the future listing agent. The future listing agent is doing their best to make sure that Abel and the appraiser have the most up-to-the-minute comps because in this marketplace, the difference between the value 60 days ago and the value today can be quite significant. Have you noticed Absolutely. that? Absolutely. Absolutely. Especially with the hot market that we're in, where we're, we're seeing multiple offers above list price. They're closing. They're using those as new comps. So absolutely. That's, you're, you hit the nail right on the head, John. Okay, so let's figure we go ahead, we maximize the appraisal, we maximize the assuming 80% loan to value, uh, which I'm going to assume if the credit scores and the income are sufficient, uh, 80% is a good assumption on what the cash out refi will be. Is that accurate? Yeah, most in that, as you stated, as long as you have the credit and the income, we should be able to go to 80% owner occupied transaction. Okay, fine. So now the seller has, or the trade-up buyer has the bulk of his uh, cash in the bank. Uh, he can go out and he get pre-approved for purchase money. Uh, he can add that those proceeds to the purchase money. He can make an offer on a piece of property subject to getting the purchase money loan there is a little bit of a trailing contingency uh, in that, yes, you do, in fact, need to sell the trailing property, the former uh, primary residence, uh, but not because you need the cash out of it, because you need to be able to qualify with the debt ratios, correct? That's correct. The other thing that you could run into issue is you take that um proceeds from the refinance and you put it in the bank. If you can't find a property for 60 days or more, that money will be seasoned and there will be no issue. However, let's say you find a property within 30 days, then the new qualifying 
lender is going to want to know where that large deposit came from. And we at that point have to disclose that it was from a refi that we, you know, are either going to be selling here soon or we're going to be uh, renting out because uh, that has to be disclosed in order to uh, make sure that the lender that is doing the purchase understands where that money came from. They've got to source it. Can you can you just preempt that question and just provide him with a copy of the refi closing statement from Jump Street? Absolutely. I mean, that that would be the ideal thing, especially if you're looking to purchase within 30 days of the refinance. You want to make sure you're out front with that. If we're talking about, you know, 60, 70 days and the money's been able to season in the bank, then there'll be no issues with regards to large deposits. Okay, I, I want to make sure we properly cover this subject uh, because seasoning, uh, I always felt, would be about mattress money, mattress appearing from nowhere. Um, I would imagine that a, a refi closing statement showing proceeds uh, would preclude the concept that it was mattress money. And it's a clear paper trail. Am I incorrect? No, in that you, you are absolutely correct. And, and you are right about the mattress money situation, because that ha that money has to be seasoned in the bank for 60 days. Then we yeah. collect those bank statements showing 60 days uh, with no large deposits. And that that's where the red flag really comes into place with those large deposits. Right. Right. OK, so even though, yes, we do need to be aware of a few landmines that we could step on. It sounds like they're all very manageable in uh, pulling together the documentation, closing the refi, and uh, quantifying the documentation for the Just purchase money. Correct. Right? Yes. yes, sir. All right. Now, uh, uh, a fly in the ointment that I think is coming out of this uh, pattern is that initially my conversation started with the whole reason to do this was to avoid having to do a contingency sale. Um, that said, it still turns out to be a contingency sale because not because the uh, trade-up buyer needs to sell the house and get the proceeds. They need to sell the house and divest themselves of the refied debt in order for the debt ratios to qualify for the purchase money. Is that accurate? It is. And that's why when we started the conversation, I had mentioned that as long as the buyer makes enough income to cover both mortgages, we don't have an issue. However, if we do have an issue because the income pushes the ratios beyond qualification, then that's where we have to be creative as to what we're going to do with that property he just refinanced. Do we create it as a departing property? We put a temporary um, renter in there? Do we Airbnb it? You know, it's, it's just going to be depend on, on various lenders that will allow an Airbnb, um, you know, because they do have to see that um, you've had it rented out at least uh, for short term period before, you know, they can use the income in order to use it to qualify for the purchase. Yeah, I, you know, as a realtor, I'm always looking to create the least amount of friction and stress for the clients and for myself. Agreed. Mm -hmm. And I think that it would just be easier for me to tell the listing agent, we've got a plan here. Uh, and these are components of the plan, which I won't recount them. 
now, despite the fact that the uh, buyer does not need to sell his house to loosen up the cash to buy your property, they do need to sell it to divest themselves of that Correct. debt. Uh, but here's the comps. Um, this Here's the listing agreement. This is what we're going to list it at. These are the last half dozen closed escrows in the uh, subdivision. You will see that they were listed at X. Uh, they sold at X plus 8% on average. And on an average in five or six days. So I can represent to you with great uh, certainty that we will close that escrow before this one is scheduled to close. Divest your buyer uh, of the high debt ratios and the trailing mortgage and close your escrow without delay. I could sell that to the listing agent and to the seller. How do you feel about that? Yeah, I think as long as you have all the ducks in a row and you have all the cards on the table that everybody understands, number one, where the down payment money com is coming from, and number two, that there is a sense of urgency that we wanna close the purchase. So at that point, it, it allows us the time to get the other property ready to put on the market. I like all those metaphors, ducks in a row, cards on the table. <laughs> How about ducks playing cards? How about that? <laughs> okay, I just got a visual. <laughs> that that was some low hanging yeah. fruit there, Abel. Yeah, Thank I, I left myself open for that one. Good one. Good one. That that you know, I could see one of those velour paintings of the duck <laughs> table in your living room. You probably got it, right velour. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> And shag carpet. Yes, sir. Uh, don't don't tell your wife I said that because they come up to Northern California and be but Oh my god, that's hilarious. All right. So to, so the takeaway on this is uh, you know, we are endeavoring to not have the uh the trade up uh buyers sell their house and then scramble to find a replacement property, and we certainly do not want them to attempt to buy a house contingent upon the sale of their house because they need the equity to close. So in summary, Abel, how practical do you think this refi purchase strategy is as an alternative to the more conventional strategies that are running into all kinds of impediments? Yeah. Today? And you know what, John, that is a good question because what, what I'm running into is I've got clients that want to sell, but they're so afraid they're not going to be able to find a replacement home that they're going to be left out in the street. And that right now, because of the way the market is, where it's so hot, it's so competitive, uh, the, the inventory is so low, that's what's preventing some of these people from actually putting the property on the market. So the alternative would be exactly what you just, the scenario you just put together. Don't sell the property to buy this property. Let's refi the property to buy this other property and we'll figure out how to structure uh, the, the other property before you're able to sell it. That way there's no contingency on the purchase, uh, which is definitely an, an option 
that a lot of people really don't think about. Right, right. And uh, and I think with this maneuver, uh, there is a much more articulated uh, ability to uh, financially model and storyboard the multiple series of transactions that take place with a high degree of certainty. Would you totally, agree with that? Totally. Absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. Well, we'll definitely have to uh, confer with those uh, clients. I, I think if we can create the financial modeling and the storyboarding, the combination, uh, you know, most people are not going to see it, including realtors mm -hmm. and lenders, because they just don't see it. Uh, but, you know, being from Brooklyn, uh, there's always you always have to be careful what route you mm -hmm. plan out. And uh, this real estate market is the closest thing I've seen to growing up in Brooklyn in a long time. <laughs> yeah, I, I, I'm not from Brooklyn, but I, I, I hear what you're saying. I mean, this this market that we've been in for the last, I'm going to say, 120 days has really. Oops, are you still there? I think we lost each other, but I think we got all the messaging in. So I'll call you for the next one. Thanks a lot, Abel. And thank you all for listening in.